Welcome to another episode of the Badass Women of Central Park, where every time we bring you an awesome journey of a badass woman in our neighborhood. My name is Dan Clark, and it is my honor to host this podcast and get to learn from so many of you each time. It is my goal for you to see yourself as the badass you truly are. This episode's badass is Heather Hope Wazinski. She has a heart for serving others. Heather thinks that there is nothing more rewarding than giving back and helping to build others up. She also understands the power of communication. We're always connecting with others through the ideas we convey and the ways we present ourselves. Heather is an eight-year resident of Central Park and a Colorado native. She owns the House of Color franchise in Denver, which is based out of the UK and was established in 1985. House of Color is the leading global color and personal style consultancy. Her aim is to help clients cultivate confidence through color and style analysis. She has 20 plus years of experience developing and executing public relations and marketing campaigns in corporate and nonprofit sectors at organizations like the Denver Museum of Nature and Science, Girls Inc., Junior Achievement, Up With People, and the Denver Public Library. This includes extensive public speaking, training, and media relations experience. Friends and colleagues describe Heather as a positive, engaging, and energetic person. She loves being outside and creating lasting memories with Brandon, her husband of 15 years, and two young children, ages 6 and 8. This podcast is brought to you by Mama Bird Interviews and the Mama Bird Project, where we empower and open doors for young Black, Latina, and Indigenous women from Montbello through recording conversations with your loved ones. Currently, we just dropped our prices to only $100 per recorded conversation. Want to make a difference? Help support Mama Bird. Like the interviews for Mama Bird focus on highlighting stories of not just your elders, but of yourself in that moment of what you believe in, um, what, you, what you like, what you don't like, like your favorite memories. All right. Good morning, Heather. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm very excited to talk to you. You sound like a very impressive person. And I also don't know a lot about you or your business. So I'm excited to learn about all of those things. Um, I would love to start off, though, with kind of your career track in general. And I know you have a background in public relations. Can you tell me kind of how you got into that field, kind of from your college journey um, moving forward? Sure, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So I actually am one of those few people who did what I studied in college. So I went to Colorado State University up in Fort Collins. I studied public relations and it was a subset of journalism. And so that was my major and that's what I did some internships with in college. And then that was my career trajectory for 20 years. I um, started off in the nonprofit realm doing public relations for an organization called Up With People. Then I was at the Denver Public Library I was at Junior Achievement, so that's a lot of nonprofits. Then I shifted and I continued to do public relations, but more in a corporate environment for high growth companies. And so I had that growth um, personally of um, learning how to develop communication strategies for organizations that were growing really aggressively. One of those I helped lead through acquisition and so kind of got a taste of what that sort of entrepreneurship looks like. And I also really enjoyed the media relations. I enjoyed the communication strategies 
strategy. I enjoyed a lot of the expert positioning, the fundraising support. Um, and then I segued into serving on some boards. So I was at the Denver Public Library on their Friends Foundation board, helping them raise funds for literacy and the community programs they do. And then I also got to serve on the board for Girls Inc. of Metro Denver, helping girls be strong, smart, and bold. And I think that was my first introduction into the power of women um, when you give them voices, when you help them lift themselves up and give them that affinity and that, um, that ability to do so, um, it can be really powerful. So a little bit of my background before um, I bought the franchise that I own now. That, that is wonderful. I agree with you. We talked briefly before this just about my goal is to have women take over the world and run it for thousands of years and then we can compare mm -hmm. notes. I'm pretty confident that you all will do an amazing job. Um, and I've seen the same thing, just small amounts. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do with the podcast here. Just small amounts of empowerment and opportunity um, is, is life-changing in so many cases. Um, one question I wanted to ask you about the PR world, and because you said you went kind of from the nonprofit world to the for-profit world, what was the difference like in those, those different areas? I would say there was a lot of similarities between nonprofit and being corporate in a small but growing company. Both are very much all hands on deck, everyone use your skill set. Um, where I haven't really been is big corporate. Um, the largest organization I was at was at the Museum of Nature and Science. And there are, I think about three to 400 staff members and about 1200 volunteers. So that was my first um, kind of grasp of, of working for a larger company. And I tell you, I much prefer smaller organizations where I think people can get more involved. They can have more of an impact and I'm a learn by doing person. And so I didn't really like being siloed into uh, just one specific subset of communication when I was there. Um, and I, it was a wonderful organization to work for, but the size of the organization limited me in some ways in terms of, I'd like to have my hands in, in a lot, um, which is why I think entrepreneurship suits me. Um, not necessarily entrepreneurship, but business ownership and, and franchise ownership really suits me in, in that regard. Yeah. And, and wearing a lot of hats certainly is the, is the case in that. I don't think people have any idea how much you're doing when you're, you're the, you know, the, the, the decision maker and then everything is part of your organization. Had you always had an entrepreneurial streak in you? Had you always wanted to own your own business? Oh, that's a good question. So when I worked at junior achievement, which is all about helping um, K through 12 children understand the importance of free enterprise and entrepreneurship, I definitely started to get more exposure to that. Then I worked in roles where I was um, kind of second in, in command to the CEO um, and helping them with thought leadership, with expert positioning, with really the marketing and communication strategy and really spearheading their efforts to be a spokesperson. And so that was kind of an introduction to me of entrepreneurship and business ownership. Um, and I had, before I bought my franchise, I had just kind of put it out to the universe that I was not necessarily pleased with the work I was doing in public relations. I had two young children and that work was really intense. Um, and I had just put it out into the universe thinking there might be something next in terms of business ownership, but I had done my MBA um, at uh, Denver, um, CU in Denver, and I I had taken all those business and marketing courses, but I didn't necessarily feel like I could identify a problem that I needed to solve through either an invention of a product or a service. Um, and so I kind of stumbled into business ownership and through the franchise route and, and it's really served me well. Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated by franchises and currently I'm living in 
Poland and seeing that they don't have everything that we have and, and there's things vice versa as well. And so it's always interesting to me because it's kind of a turnkey business and you're, you're ready to go, but there's also difficulties that, that come with that because you, you have to do things their way. Um, take me through the process of kind of where, so you put it out in the universe and then how did the universe get it back to you? How did, how did it, you choose the actual <laughs> franchise that you ended up buying? What was that process like? And were you freaking out during this time? <laughs> Good question. So I was gainfully employed at that time. So I think that eliminated a lot of the freak out factor. Um, I got fired from that job. So we can go there in a bit. And I can tell you more about that as a learning lesson. But um, no, I um, put it out to the universe at the same time. I was going through a process after having two young children, trying to figure out how to get my mojo back. I was just kind of at a loss for how to dress my body. I felt really invisible after some years of pregnancy, of nursing, of um, a couple of miscarriages. And so I just really was not feeling myself and feeling, I feel I was feeling like I needed to get back to that. Um, and so I was a client for this franchise's services with House of Color. I understood my personal style and I understood my best colors as kind of a gift to invest in myself. And I was just doing it purely as a way to regain my mojo and get my confidence back. Um, and at the same time, I was still putting things out to the universe that I was looking for another opportunity. And then speaking to the woman who um, was my stylist, who helped me with color and style, I flew to Nebraska for that experience. And so um, in speaking to the woman, she just talked about how fun it was to own her own business, to operate the franchise, that it was kind of an accidental thing that she fell into. And she absolutely never felt like she worked a day in her life. She felt like it was so rewarding. She felt like it was so empowering for her, but also for her clients. Um, she really felt like it was a gift to give other people to help them regain their confidence. And, um, I just kind of found myself obsessing about it and going down these rabbit holes of, well, could I buy a franchise and could, would this be the one and what, what sort of marketing would I need? And I ended up up one night, all night writing a marketing plan for this franchise. And I just, I know oftentimes we're supposed to make decisions with all of the facts and with all the information, and I'm a high information person. So you betcha I did my research. I talked to the headquarters in the UK. I interviewed about eight to 10 other franchise owners for this particular franchise. I am started kind of investigating the franchise world and looking at other possibilities of franchise to franchises to purchase. But at the same time, I think the reality is oftentimes our guts and our hearts lead us to where we need to be. So yes, I did the research and I made sure that it made financial financial sense. And I developed the business plan, but it was like this gravitational pull towards this endeavor for me that was just a heart and gut thing more than a rationality thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, and it's interesting to hear because I think there's a lot of people in the same situation as you where they are, um, yeah, such high information people, but then when it comes down to it, what they really keep hearing and often even if it's information, it sounds like your information at least lined up with what you were you were doing, which should be really scary if it doesn't, because it doesn't always line up necessarily. But I think that following your heart and just you're giving it so much more at that point too. So it, it just feels right, which is wonderful. And I'm sure it still is scary. I do want to get into, um, because that's part of the scary part is you're doing this and going down this path, but then you said you did lose your job during that time, which I'm yeah. sure taught 
you many different lessons during that and and kind of even probably fortified you even more with with your with where you wanted to go with your group. Yeah. So essentially what happened is I decided I was going to buy the franchise and I started down this path of legal advice and financial and getting everything lined up. I told my employer, I had been working for this woman for seven, almost eight years. And I told my employer that I was doing this side endeavor and that it wouldn't interfere at all with my work. Um, I had negotiated a three-quarter time schedule. So I was working Monday through Thursday for her. I was going to see clients on Fridays and occasionally on Saturdays. I got a separate laptop. I was doing separate social media accounts. I was keeping them very separate, but I was also very much on the up and up with my employer saying, I do my best work when I have another activity happening. And Previously, it's been training for multi-sport endeavors and doing triathlons and doing marathons. Previously, it's been um, doing community service and board involvement. Before that, it was, um, you know, nonprofit support. So there's always been something that I've done in addition to the work that makes me a better person and makes me kind of operate on all cylinders. And so I was very forthright and very honest with her and said, you know, essentially I am doing a side thing. This is a passion project and I am going to do this and it's not going to interfere with my work. Instead, it's going to really propel me to do more for you. And um, we did that for about six months. I thought it was going really well and she didn't. And essentially I was blindsided and I was fired after working for her as second in command, growing her business, doing all the counsel, all the advice for almost eight years, I was fired and I was fired for cause. So it was not at all a graceful exit. It was not on my terms. It was not what I expected. Um, And it was a punch to the gut. It was a loss of identity after having 20 years of communication and marketing and public relations experience. It was a faltering of my confidence because I thought, well, I thought I had been doing my best work and I thought I had shown her my commitment. And so a lot of that over lots of months and lots of sessions in counseling and conversations with friends and family kind of helped me, you know, over time I was able to unpack it. And I think, you know, resiliency and learning how to take those lemons and make lemonade or the limes and make margaritas, right. Um, is kind of a big part of what we do as humans. So I think I've been able with time to rewrite that story to something that's more palatable to me in terms of this opened a door of opportunity for me. I was straddling two worlds. I was not able to dive really deeply into full-on marketing communication for the, for the franchise. I wasn't able to see clients at the times they were available. It was just this, I was playing it really small, but then I was straddling this world and I was doing what I thought I should be doing in terms of duty to and service to this organization. Um, and I obviously wasn't giving it my all. I obviously wasn't feeling successful and bringing success into that role to the extent that I was fired. Now I would debate whether I should have been fired for cause. I still think, I I still think that that was completely unnecessary. Um, I think that I have a very solid work ethic and those who know me and know my work 
and know this individual were very shocked to know that I was, they were shocked to know that I was fired for cause, but they said that's kind of a typical thing that is not unheard of in this person and this organization. So um, anyhow, I think that moving forward, I was able to then shift gears and to really put my all into this organization um, and this franchise and growing this little business of mine and serving my clients with all sorts of passion. And I think that at the end of the day, I came to the franchise because I lost my confidence. I regained it as a client. Then I lost my confidence again in being fired and have been able to transition into what I do now for clients is ultimately give them the gift of confidence and give them the opportunity to see themselves in a new light, to celebrate and amplify their beauty, to feel like they're showing up in a really authentic way, um, to spend time with loved ones, you know, in the process of the service experience and just feel really beautiful and really feel really um, confident. And so it's almost like things come full circle in, in a lot of regards. Well, thank you for sharing all of this. And I, I see your strength also seeing where you are currently. Um, and I feel that mothers in general, women in general, just you're, the world's attacking you in so many different ways that when things like this happen, it just impacts you and you internalize things so much more. Looking back on it now, would you be where you are with your business if it hadn't happened in this way, do you think? Or um, not that I, I, I heard there was a podcast recently that everything happens and they slashed out for a reason. Not that everything happens for a specific reason, but it does happen and it's how you handle it that that moves you forward in those situations so do you think that that situation now I mean is that where you are because I'm yeah I'm definitely able to be at peace with it and say I do think that this I wouldn't be where I am right now you know in terms of the success in the franchise had I not had those experiences had I not essentially been forced to stop working in another role and really wholeheartedly focus on growing the franchise. I also wouldn't be where I am without the pandemic. Um, I think that if I look at the time frame, I was fired from my job in December. I finished my work and launched into the new year with all this clarity and vision because it was going to be 2020. <laughs> I created a vision board. It was all about growing the franchise and all about what I wanted to do in this new role. And then um, I jinxed this all, uh, us all um, with that darn vision board because uh, 2020 hit us out of left field, right? Um, so I was building this momentum in January, February, March, doing speaking, um, doing tons on social media, starting to see clients, starting to get referrals. The business was just growing and it was at a really good point. And then we hit the pandemic and I closed my studio for two months. And then I brought my kids home from daycare for two months and everything shut down. Um, and during that time, I got a great chance to reset, to reevaluate, to do a lot of thinking, to do a lot more planning. And then thank goodness, the pandemic for us, it was wonderful from a, an employment standpoint um, because I was able to be with the children. And so I was able to... Um, really spend the time with them home from daycare. Um, I had this flexibility in my employment. One of the, the services that we offer, we were able to shift to be able to do it virtually. And the other one we couldn't. Um, and so I still was building momentum, building traction. And then as we started to 
be in this pandemic longer and spend more time on Zoom doing these sorts of meetings and not see each other in person, um, people really were clamoring for this service. And so um, being an image consultant and helping people feel beautiful and helping people have the tools to get dressed every day is actually a really wonderful place to be as people spend all this time on screens and they just think, man, if I could just find a color of lipstick that would help me brighten up my face or what color sweatshirt would I wear? Or, um, how do I dress business casual? Or what do I do just with, uh, you know, from the bus up, if I'm doing zoom, uh, there's lots of people who've come and found me as a result of the pandemic and just wanting this lift, wanting this, um, re-energizing service after we've had a really rough couple of years. Yeah, that, so I've reflected a lot on, the, especially the start of the pandemic, and we've got kids we, we talk that are the same age as my kids are currently 86, um, and yours are two, and, and it's something that those are amazing years to have this happen when they're little, and they're, they were unaware of what was going on, so I kind of dove into that too, and, and now look back at that, and it seems like it's flown by, that seems so far ago now, which is wild. Um, but yeah, I never thought about the, the, um, fashion part and the confidence part of it. Can you take us through a little bit about what the business actually is, what the confidence part I love, and I do see how clothing and feeling, looking your best, you certainly do feel your best. Sure. So uh, the franchise is called house of color and I own the Denver market essentially for the franchise. Um, it's based in the UK. There are 200 of us now across the US who offer these services. And we offer two main service. The first is called color analysis. So it's seasonal color analysis and it's done in person. And I have the tools to help you understand your coloring, your undertone to your skin, your eye color, your natural hair color, those form your coloring and help you see which colors are going to be best for you in terms of the colors to wear near your face for clothing, for women, the colors to wear for makeup, the colors to dye their hair, the colors for accessories. Um, so color analysis is focusing in on the colors that naturally make you look most healthy, make you look most visible, make you look most sharp, um, and make you most attractive. There's really no such thing as a neutral color. And so some colors that we wear can make us look a little bit yellow or a little green or a little bit sick or sallow or a little blue gray. And so oftentimes we shop and we just buy what retail gives us without understanding what our coloring is. So color analysis helps people save time and money because they know the colors to hone in on when they're coloring their hair, when they're shopping for clothing, when they're having headshots taken, when they're taking family pictures, et cetera. So color analysis is the first thing. And then the second thing that I do is personal style. And so personal style for house of color in this model is looking at Carl Jung's archetypes, which we get, um, essentially we get these characters that play out in TV and in movie Disney does them very well, um, but there's these six archetypes and we combine them to make 23 different clothing personalities. And I help you understand what your clothing personality is based off of who you are on the inside and what you need to reflect externally. So what makes you really feel authentic and what's on the inside in terms of your unique personality. And then also what's your body architecture like? Um, what do we see when we look from the outside in terms of shapes, structure, um, how to create proportion and balance. And those two things come together in what we call a clothing personality. And that helps you understand 
understand how to navigate the fashion trends and kind of what the latest and greatest is so that you can feel current, you can feel really appropriate and you can feel really comfortable in your own skin. And you can kind of navigate, I think the, the, um, essentially kind of the landmines of what we find when we're shopping. So color and style are the two main services that I offer. Color has to be done in person. Style can be done virtually, which has been wonderful through the pandemic. Um, lots of women have joined me virtually with mothers, with daughters, with best friends from different markets. Um, and then that leads into personal shopping. So I love that this method is empowering and gives my clients the tools to go out and look through their closets or to go shopping and put together outfits and understand like the secret sauce. So I give them all that information. And I find that it's a very much do it yourself model so that they have the tools after investing in one or both of these services to go forth and conquer the world and feel amazing in whatever they're wearing. But some clients do like to have that additional help. And so I will do personal shopping and additional services for them. Um, you know, if, if that's something that they like, but what I've realized is that women and men can benefit from these services. Um, old and young can benefit from these services and at the root of things, people typically come to me because they are looking for a refresh. They're looking for a opportunity to get a reset. Um, in particular, I often find that women get one of two messages. They either get the message that they're not enough. So they need to do this or be this or buy this or do whatever to be more, or they get the message that they're too much and they need to turn it down or tone it down or damper whatever that is in terms of that spark, that energy, they're either not enough or they're too much. And I really love that this service essentially tells people you are perfectly made exactly as you are. You're not too little. You're not too much. We're just going to give you the tools to amplify that beauty and feel tremendous in your own skin. Yeah, that, that sounds wonderful. And you said you work with both women and men. Yes. So I work with men and women. I work predominantly with women. Um, I think that social media kind of caters to women. Um, this aesthetic caters to women as well. Um, and I think that the reality is men and women, we all are judged by how we appear, whether we like it or not. Um, making a positive first impression is really important. We're hardwired as humans to judge people by how they look, their nonverbals, their posture, their um, eye contact, their smiles, their handshakes. Those sorts of things are how we gauge people and how we connect with people. And they can really help us build rapport with people, right? In addition to making good first impressions. But then I've also found, and I think this is really applicable to men as well, that um, when we dress the part, we play the part better. And so it's been tricky to see us go through these challenges of this pandemic and take all of our work remotely and work in our sweatpants because studies show actually, when you put actually a pair of pants on and you put a pair of shoes on that you love and you're, you know, have a wonderful color that you love, um, when you're wearing things that you feel really good in, you exude that through your energy level of what you bring to the conversation, what you bring to the networking event, what you bring to the Zoom call. And so I think this is a wonderful service that benefits men and women. And there's really a lot of truth and a lot of studies that have been done to this idea of showing up as your best self, not just for others, but for you, you know, at your core in terms of how you, how you show up in the world. I think that 
entrepreneurship and business ownership is about the most aggressive learning curve you could ever have. I'm sure, I'm sure you have, you've learned a lot during this time, the pandemic as well in it. Um, can you talk me through kind of just your personal growth throughout you, you did a beautiful presentation of what you do. They're very clear. One thing that I have a problem with, with the work that I do is I, I know it's good for everybody. And so therefore my message is too wide and too broad. And I've got a target market over here, target market over here, target market over here. Um, and so I, I believe my, I'm working on my question as well for my personal growth. So I'm going to, I'm going to zero it back up. Um, just overall lessons that you've learned throughout this process. And now you're, I guess you're almost going on year three. So yes, um, I hit three, three years this summer of operating, um, the franchise. So three and a half, I've seen over 800 clients at this point, mostly for color. Um, so lessons learned, um, the pro forma is not actually how things are going to play out. That's the first lesson. Um, so I did all the numbers. I crunched the numbers. I talked to all the other franchise owners. Um, I, you know, did the financial analysis and I was ready to hit the ground running and, um, you know, earn X, Y, and Z. And that's not how it played out. Um, so that was a big lesson. Um, so another reason I was very glad that I was employed at the beginning of launching the franchise, it was much slower to build than I ever would have expected. Um, so on the one hand, I hedged my bets by staying employed and launching the franchise. If I wouldn't have, maybe I would have grown faster and I would have hit those numbers as I projected. Um, I played it a little bit more safe until I was pushed out and kind of needed to take a more aggressive role in running the business. So, you know, the numbers don't always pan out to the exact expectations, I think was a, a key learning for me. Um, another big learning for me um, was learning how to ask help, ask for help. So, um, I had never been a personal stylist. I had, I had wonderful training that the franchise offered in terms of really understanding the color theory and the color analysis, really understanding the style portion and, and how to offer our services. But I didn't really know how to run a business. I didn't know anything about social media. I was not on Instagram until I launched the business. I hate being on social media. Um, there's so many things we could unpack there in terms of just kind of what's, what's going on in that realm. Um, but I, I also don't really like the numbers in terms of like paying the bills and doing the, 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 like looking at the numbers. Um, so there's a lot, I like serving the client, but the running the business and like a, the social media and a lot of the, how to do it in, in the daily, in the trenches, I had to ask for a lot of help. So part of it was learning what is not in my wheelhouse that I need to outsource. What was part of it was learning who already knew this and had been ahead of me on the journey through the franchise that I could ask for help. Part of it was looking outside to coaches and to other resources, but I learned a lot about what I don't know. <laughs> and it turns out there's a lot that I don't know. <laughs> Which is always the case, but I think you don't have time to, to, you know, stop and you can't do it. So that, that forces you to learn all these things. And I imagine with a franchise, has that been good? Because there is this built-in, and I think it varies franchise to franchise, certainly about their level of involvement, their level of support, but at least with franchises, you have people who are doing basically the exact same and often it, like you talked about in territories in different areas so there's not that competitive part of it which is wonderful too so they can really authentically mentor you and kind of share the secrets and help 
share their mistakes they made to move forward. Um, does this franchise do a good job of connecting you to these people? So I'll say the franchise didn't necessarily do a good job of that, but I did it as my on my own accord. So um, there are women who I've connected with who've mentored me. And then now I try to play that role for the next generation that's purchased the franchise. I was like number 30 in the U.S. to purchase this franchise. Now we're at over 200 owners. So our growth has really been tremendous over the last couple of years and we were accidental. So we were in the UK and just a few seeds planted into the US. So they didn't have a CEO. They didn't have infrastructure. They didn't really know how to handle these crazy American women trying to do this. And so a lot of it was me pushing and me asking the people who went ahead of me for the help. And then I'm trying to do my work to pay it back. I do really like the franchise model in that it is not, it's inherently more collaborative, right? So I am sharing my best practices because someone shared them with me. Um, I don't see anyone who's operating under this umbrella as a competitor. I really truly feel like all boats rise. I actually don't see anyone who's offering style services or is trained to offer color analysis in other systems as a competitor. I see us all as raising the tide, raising the bar, you know, all of us helping to serve people. Um, and so that maybe it harkens back to my nonprofit background. Maybe it harkens back to, you know, in various nonprofit organizations, I was kind of the one to pull together that cohort of marketing professionals and do a sharing of best practices and roundtables. And so I'm a big believer in collaboration and teamwork. And in um, if I've got the tools, let me share with you. Um, why would you need, need to reinvent the wheel? And I think there's also this perception around um, entrepreneurship that you have flexibility in your schedule, which you do to some accord, but then you're also just doing, I feel you're working way more, and especially when it's you and you have to be doing all these things, you're working way more. How are you, I'm not going to say doing it because I don't think anybody's doing it, but how are you attempting to have work-life balance, be a present mother? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. The point of launching with the franchise was so that I could have that work-life balance, was so that I wasn't working 80 hours a week, 60 hours a week. The whole goal was to have this balance. And so when things get off balance, I'm really cognizant of it. So essentially my growth and the desire for my services is it exceeds my bandwidth. I, um, it's kind of crazy because a lot of women in the neighborhood have no idea what I do. A lot of my clients come in from outside of state lines um, for the services. A lot of people drive in from all over the place because they've had a friend or a loved one who's done it. It's mostly referral. They know someone whose life has been changed by these experiences. And then they're like, I want whatever she has like that secret sauce. I want it to. So it's referral based. And so I have more interest in the business, then I actually physically have capacity to serve. And so I'm not, I'm really cognizant of making sure that my work-life balance isn't sacrificed. So lots of people want to come and, and see me on the weekends. Well, I'm with my kids on the weekends. Um, lots of people, um, you know, want, they've got 
friends and family in town and can I, can they get in on this date? And it's the week of Thanksgiving and I've got my kids in daycare for two days, but I want to be with them Wednesday. And obviously Thursday's a family day and Friday's a family day. And the whole point is having this franchise so that I can be there and be present with my children. So I really try hard to turn it off and to keep it at a point that, um, is almost counter to how we're trained. I'm pretty, I'm a pretty competitive person with myself. I'm a pretty driven type, a goal oriented person who wants to hit these markers and achieve, achieve, achieve. But the reality is that I can't do that to the detriment of me being able to be a good wife, a good mom, a good community member, um, you know, a good friend. Um, and so the point of the business is not to, make a ton of money and see everybody and anybody. The point of the business is to help women feel more beautiful and have the tools to really be visible and be confident and also to make sure that it works within the context of my life. And so for that reason, I am really reevaluating on a consistent, continual basis to make sure that I have that balance. Yeah, that's good. And kind of having those boundaries set up, it seems like has been advantageous for you. You went into this thinking that this would be this way and needing it to be this way in order for you to feel successful in it. And I think you're right. It's obvious that the company aligns with your personal values too. And, and that empowerment part of it is, yeah, you can need to practice what you're preaching. And so that makes you better at your work too in that, in that capacity. Okay. I've got another question for you. So you're good at that stuff. How the heck can you turn your brain off? That's something that I deal with all the time is when I feel when you find your passion or you're doing something that's for you or it's your thing that it's impossible for me to turn my brain off from it. So even when I'm with my children and with my family, my brain is wandering off to, to my business, which I want to work because it, it's bigger than me and more important than me and all these different things. Um, even though in those moments, I'm not doing anything that's gonna move me forward. So I would love to be present in those moments and be able to compartmentalize. Do you have any tricks or secrets on that kind of stuff? Are you able to, to turn your mind off from it? That's a good, that's a good, question, a good, good observation. So I would say that, um, I don't try to do all and, or both. So, um, when my kids are at school, that's when I see my clients and that's when I do the work around the administration for the, the company. When my kids are with me, I'm really trying to make sure that I'm finding out how their day was. We're working on homework. I am getting to the, them to their lessons. I'm just, we're listening to music. We're doing the things. So I think their ages of being six and eight really drive that. Um, and I feel like I need to hold this time really um, and cherish it because they're going to be teenagers who don't want to talk to me at some point. Right. So there'll be, will be plenty of time for them to jump on their devices and for me to get my administrative stuff done. But now's not the time because little guy wants me to Lego with him. And my daughter, you know, is, you know, wants to talk to me about her day or talk to me about a friend issue or, you know, show me the latest, greatest thing, or have me read to her. Like they're not always going to want me to do that. And so I think their age and stage really drives that, but I really try to be like, like, okay, when I'm working, I'm working. And of course I'm ordering the groceries and I'm managing the house and I'm, you know, do like planning the meals and doing those things. But when I'm working, I'm working. And then when I'm with family, I'm with family. Um, and so I, I really try to compartmentalize those things. 
I think for me, getting out and running is a huge way to sort through what's in my mind. Um, starting the day with a hit workout or um, doing some yoga, some meditation, like a massive, essentially running bullet journal of the things that I want to do, the things that I have on my mind, the brilliant ideas that come to me, capturing them so that then I can shift back to what I am doing at that moment and not have the, those kind of lead me down a rabbit hole. Those are kind of the key things for me, but I'm not always that good at it. And I do think that probably time outdoors meditation, um, can be helpful as well. Um, it's hard when you, you grow a business as an entrepreneur or as a franchise owner, and you're inspired by the work you do. So all the time I'm like, Ooh, I could do that for social media or, Oh, I could do this for an email or, Oh, uh, you know, I haven't, I need to do X, Y, and Z and get back to a, B and C. And I really try to like capture those things to then refocus so I can be with, with my family. Yeah. That's something I'm working on now that I read in a book was, yeah, write it all down and then mentally know that it's somewhere that you can go back to it. So you're not going to miss out on the opportunity yeah. because you've written I, it down. I have to get it out of my brain for sure. It's just floating around there. So it, writing it down really helps. I love Evernote. Um, it's just my capture of all things. So instead of jotting it down on a post-it note and wondering what I did with it, I have Evernote app on my phone and I can just start a new note and jot down, you know, a couple, a couple things. What are you listening to while you're exercising? I'm a big podcast person. Got some books on tape now more and more. What are you listening to while you're, are you doing this while you're listening to something else? Are you keeping your ears clean so you can be doing this? I keep my ears clean. So I found that at the beginning of the pandemic, I was out walking, getting fresh air and I was listening to the news and like those things are in conflict with one another. I'm supposed to be going out and relaxing and enjoying nature and clearing my mind, but then I'm cluttering it with all the headlines and all of the traumatic things that are happening in our world. And so I find that if I'm going to work out, if I'm going to meditate, if I'm going to do yoga, if I'm going to be and getting fresh air, I am silent. Um, but when I'm driving around, which I don't do as much now, but when I'm dri- driving around, I do like to listen to news podcasts. So I mostly listen to NPR. Um, I mostly listen to um there's, uh, there's a podcast, um, called the lazy genius. Her name's Kendra Hidachi and she has a book and she talks all about how to be lazy about the things that don't matter and genius about the things that do and how to prioritize those things. Um, and so I find that she's got some little nuggets of wisdom. I find Jen Hatmaker can be really fun, really entertaining. Um, but I find that I have enough going on in my brain. Um, I should be listening to more and I should be reading more books as well. We're always saying more, always more, more hours more, in more, the more. day. Yeah, I know. More, more, more. And when you talked about the lazy genius, my initial reaction was I wanted to share this with my wife, that this is actually a thing. So me being lazy in these areas and a genius in the other areas or something, but then I'm also, no, I could definitely put in more effort. Like you talked about women are, are doing all this work while planning and focusing on the logistics of everything, which is mentally exhausting. And I always my wife can't turn that part off and she's constantly thinking about it because she has to. So where I don't feel that same because it's all taken care of by her. So I don't have that. So I need a, a good note. I'm going to be better husband moving forward from here thinking about that. Um, what do you want for your future? I don't know. What do I want for my future? I want healthy children, um, happy children. Um, I want to continue to be in this neighborhood. We've been here for eight years. 
Um, and I want to continue to deepen relationships. I feel like a lot of that was stunted in the pandemic. Um, I want to get back and travel. We did a lot of travel before starting a family. So I have aspirations of what that looks like in the future um, uh, for us to you know, be doing some longer term travel. My husband and I traveled for a year internationally. We did 13 countries over the course of a year before we started a family. Um, right now we are much more homebound and we're much more close to, um, you know, in the United States, but we've gotten the kids a little bit abroad to go to Mexico. So I would love to um, be doing some international travel with the children. Um, I'd love to be doing more service. Um, I see myself in this business realm for a while, so I don't know how long I will be a stylist and an image consultant under the umbrella of House of Color. I love the franchise. It's been three, almost four years. I have an agreement to do it for five. I'll probably renew that agreement and do 10 years. Um, but I want to continue to keep a little bit in the, a little bit of a foot in the door for PR communication marketing. Um, that's my background. That's kind of in a sense what I'm doing with the franchise. Um, I enjoy that. Um, and so potentially in the future, maybe I am coaching other women who buy franchises or who want to start a business on the marketing, the communication, the referral, um, marketing, the, you know, just the, the client engagement and communication strategy around that potentially. Um, I don't know. I really love what I do and I love, um, what I'm doing on a daily basis in terms of it, it gives me great pleasure to pour into other people. Um, it's funny that your podcast is called, badass <laughs> because I'm not, and I, we can talk more about that. I'm not a badass, but I like to know that I'm giving my clients the tool to feel like a badass if that's what they want to feel like. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, I'm, I'm not the, the most badass at my job. And so I, I, I should ask you that question. You've told me during this conversation that you've rolled on multiple occasions. You've told me that you've run, what was your, your fitness? You've done what with fitness? You've ran and biked and all that stuff, right? You, what did you say? The multi-sport. I've done five marathons and two half marathons or two half Ironman. Sorry. Okay. Had, had and raised two children <laughs> and uh, are doing all this. Now you're starting to, obviously your, your career, you've done a lot in that too. And now you're, you've you know started a franchise and you don't consider yourself a badass. This is, we need to, we do need to do more work on this. <laughs> it's probably more a conversation with a counselor. Um, no, I, I'm not, um, I, th I feel like there's a level of expertise for me. I feel like there's a level of competency and a level of excellence. Um, there's definitely some moxie that I have, some energy that I have. Um, I'm not irreverent enough um, and I'm not unique enough if, if in, in that regard. Um, but I do feel like I can give my clients the tool of that if they want to be a badass and and be more visible be more confident be more authentic um i i like to give my clients and my colleagues those opportunities i am yeah, fine I with not being in the spotlight and not being <laughs> on a pedestal as a badass i'm great with helping others be propelled forth in that manner truly and I want you to own and own your badassness. I had to look that up. I don't even know what irreverent means. So I need to look that up. But I, it's something that I 
think that, yeah, you can be both. Um, I, I heard from the, I was just been editing a, a document that we're making on the work that we do in the community. It wasn't that her quote, but she says, you're allowed to be a um, masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time. Oh. And I just love that, love that line. And it's something like you, you can be a badass and still want to get to that point, but know that you've done so much good. It seems like people are always searching for something that if your mind's that way, it's going to be unattainable to you because you're always pushing forward, which there's good things to push you in that way. But one of the things that I try to do too is like, what would you say to your, if you have a daughter or daughter in this situation, your son, whatever, your kids in this situation, and you would probably be kinder to them than you are to yourself. And oh, absolutely. Kind of yeah, absolutely. The things that we say to our loved ones that we, yeah, we would be much more encouraging. That is very true. So, so whoever is listening to this podcast this far, you need to write a message to Heather and tell her how much of a badass she is. And that's something I haven't <laughs> figured out a way to do too. But I would love that kind of follow-up from people too to just share yeah. that listening to, and just your story and how impactful it is for me. It's late here. I'm tired at this moment. I've always enjoyed these conversations, but they kind of need to get going before I really see the benefit. And I've learned so much from you and just your story in this short amount of time. And I'm sure others will too. And so- yeah, even stuff, I never think about fashion and, and little things for me with color. Um, I don't know what my specific colors are, but I just bought a new watch um, thing that's a brighter color because it make, brings me joy, little joys. Yes. I got earrings while we were in Poland here for the first time and just like little things that do do physically make you feel better and more exciting mm -hmm. um, is, is I think is really important. So, so with that, um, how can people reach you? Or it sounds like you're busy, which is wonderful, but if people do want to contact you and look into your services, how do they reach you? Probably the easiest is to reach me on social media. Um, I'm Heather Hope, House of Color, spelled the British way. Um, and um, also in the neighborhood, just as I'm, my kids are at Westerly Creek. Um, I'm out and about quite a bit, um, but I, I love to connect with people. 